0: So I'll- over the last few months, I have actually been thinking a lot um, with all the things that have kind of um, Gone off like things. I haven't been able to do all the things that I usually do I've been thinking a lot about what actually is my purpose Which maybe is a really big question for a Sunday morning, but I have been thinking about that a lot over the last few months and um, And I I didn't say at the beginning I'm, I'm actually on staff here at KXC and I'm an ordinand, which means I'm training to become a priest and um, so as well as thinking a lot about my purpose individually as a person, I've also been thinking loads about the purpose of the church um, and actually what is is that? What is it that we are here for? And that's actually what I'm going to be speaking to us about today. What is it that we are here for? And as I read scripture, what is completely clear is that the people of God have always had a purpose. We are a people with a purpose. We're not just here to be, you know, bums in seats. We actually have a purpose in this world. And um, obviously last week was Easter, Easter weekend where we celebrate as Christians the resurrection. And um, in the book of John, which is in the Bible, there's the the kind of the account of Jesus' resurrection. Um, And after that is Jesus' kind of first encounter with the disciples. And this is what he says to them. Listen to this. In John chapter 20, verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So kind of fresh out of the blocks of uh, Jesus's resurrection, there he is telling his disciples that, you know, the mission that I had, I am giving you a mission here on this earth, saying to them that they actually have a job to do and telling them to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to do that. And what I would love to suggest to to you today is that actually that didn't just stop with the disciples, us as a church, you and me, the the saved and redeemed people of God, we have the privilege of continuing that mission right here today. And as we read in scripture, continue to read in scripture, um, there are all kinds of passages that illuminate actually what this means. Um, And one great example of that is 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 to 11, and it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what this just screams to me is not only do us as the people of God, do we have a purpose, but it is a distinctive purpose. That as the people of God, we are set apart to declare and point to this God who has saved us. That is our distinctive role in the world. And this isn't something that's something new. It isn't something that just kind of sprung up as we, as we read in the New Testament. This has been something that has always been the purpose of God's people to have this unique and distinctive flavor in the world. And we see that in the, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. and. Um, and the thing, the thing that is, is really clear within, within the Old Testament in particular is that the people of God, they forget about this. They forget their purpose to their own detriment and to the detriment of, of others. And, and this is really clearly demonstrated in, in a story in what, uh, Sorry, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And it's a really heartbreaking story. Um, basically, the people of God, they come to a prophet called Samuel and they say to him that they actually, they want a king to lead them. And this is what they say to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as the other nations have. And Samuel kind of explains to them all the implications of of that. Um, But they still say to him, uh, what they say is this, no, they said, we want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations with a king to lead us. And what is so heartbreaking about this is that they have completely missed that actually they already have a king to lead them. That king is God. And actually the distinctive call upon their lives is to be led by him, is to point others to him. And they forget that at their detriment. And I think I find this story particularly heartbreaking is because I actually, I recognize that own sentiment in my own heart. Um, and it's it's something that I um, I've, I kind of know that 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 desire not to be distinctive I know that actually in my own life um, And particularly demonstrated when I was growing up because um, so my both my parents are from Ghana They're Ghanaian and we grew up in a town called Basingstoke, which is in Hampshire um, And there weren't actually many other Ghanaians in the area And so my kind of driving force when I was a teenager was just to kind of blend in with everybody else around me. Just kind of um, not draw too much attention to the fact that I was from Ghana, but I felt like my parents were bent on the opposite. And they were always, always um, doing things to display their culture to those around them. Um, and as a teenager, that just made me cringe. I have so many memories of us when we'd be going to um, you know, family events in London, driving in the car, and stopping off at the petrol station, and my parents getting out of the car, and they'd always be dressed in there, this amazing Ghanaian clothing. And I'd just be dying in the car, because I was like, oh, everyone can see the clothes they're wearing. Or even things like, I remember when I was really Young at primary school and we had to do this kind of showing tell and bring in different items for different kind of letters of the alphabet. And my mum actually came in and she made some yam. I don't know if you know what yam is, this kind of Ghanaian root uh, vegetable. And she brought it in and she brought it for everyone. I just died inside. I was like, oh, I, I didn't want everyone to, to be aware that I'm different. And, and the thing is, it took me such a long time to get away from that mindset of, of my primary concern being like everybody else around me. But actually, I, as I've grown up, I've seen there's so much beauty um, and so much uh, so, so much that's wonderful about sharing your culture with others, whether that be music or clothing or or dress, whatever that is. And that's what my parents knew um, and I missed out on um, as a young person. But I think the same thing can sometimes creep into us in regard to our faith as the people of God. As individuals, it can be easier for us to want to actually trade in our distinctiveness and forget that the story the story that we have to tell is 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 different and u- unique, but it plays a part in this world. And maybe that actually resonates with you. Maybe there are times when actually the eyes of what other other people's eyes, what other people are thinking, whether maybe that is feels more important to you in in some moments in embracing the fullness of of, of pointing to Jesus in any given situation or fully embracing his presence. Or actually even um, even it, it stops you from kind of fully being a part of this family here. I know there are definitely times in my life when, when that has been more of my primary concern. But and like the, like the Israelites, I think that God would want to remind us that actually we have a really distinct flavor and a purpose in this world. And Jesus talks about that too. In, um, in Matthew 5, verse 13, this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And just a little thing to say, um, on the context um, of of, um, Roman context in this time when Jesus was speaking, salt was actually one of the most valuable things. It was a really valuable commodity. I actually learned when I was researching for this talk that um, that's where the phrase, worth your weight in salt comes from this time. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So the people listening when they were hearing this would have thought, wow, this is something of value almost like i don't know someone saying now you are the diamonds of the world it was salt was this super valuable thing but also the other thing about salt in a world where people didn't have fridges and refrigerators all that kind of thing salt was a preservative so it wasn't just something that was um you know kind of for us it's more of an accessory but actually salt did something it preserved food it had a job to do and so those are the connotations of what Jesus is saying, reminding the people that their life that they carry has value for the people around them and has purpose for the people around them and the same is true for us the story that we carry the story that we carry and the job that we do actually has a purpose in the world that is unique not because of who we are but because of the person that we point to and the fact that this person whose power and presence actually has the power to save the power to heal the power to forgive and that's something that nothing or no one else in the world can actually offer that is what our god offers And I think the thing is that um, sometimes, yeah, we can be under illusions that things are kind of neutral in the world. And and what I mean by that is I think sometimes that we can maybe um, not be wholly fully aware um, of the fact that the story that we carry, the God that we point to, that people really need to hear about him. But I feel like over the last few months, with all that's been going on in the world, I feel like we can't be under any illusions anymore that the, the, the fact that people need to know about our God, they need to know about the story that we carry. We can't close our eyes to the, the hurt, the pain, the fractured nature of the, of the people around us, both as individuals, but corporately. And where kind of maybe some of the normal distractions that we would go to and others would go to have been torn away from us. What's been revealed is this greater need. Well, not greater need, but we're just so much more, more aware. We can be so much more aware of the need for God in our world. And the fact that our our people around us need to know the God who loves them, the God who saves, forgives. And we know that God, and it is is our privilege to tell the world about him. And I just wonder whether, um, yeah, God just would want to remind us again of who we are and why we're here. Not asking us to kind of do more, but to remind us of who we are already to reset our vision um, and to remind us that just as those words that Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And um, Jesus, I, I love Jesus, he he is so amazing in so many different ways, but I think he is such an example of being distinctive, of being so salty in the world, of just owning his own flavour. And there are many different examples that I could have taken of that from scripture, but there's just one that I um, wanted to highlight to you, and um, just um, to end this. Um, and it's an incredible story, you might, you might be quite familiar with it, um, but I think the really cool thing about this story is we actually get to see what is almost motivating Jesus, what is going on within him as he he does this act. So we're just going to look at that now. Um, So I think it's going to come up up on the screen very helpfully. Thank you, Jennica. So it's from uh, John chapter 13. Um, And so I'll just read that now. Amazing. I can read it on here. Um, So the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, sir Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So what we see here is Jesus kind of taking up this really undignified position, taking up the role of a servant. And see, we see him being fully, re- uh, fully um, released from the constraints of the expectations of his, his disciples. We see that in, in the text that Peter is really like, no, what are you doing? It's not appropriate what you're doing. But Jesus is fully enabled to do that. And what we see is what is kind of going on within Jesus, what is motivating him. And what it says is that Jesus knows that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. So the first thing that I just wanted to highlight was that Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. That's a reminder of his authority that the father had given him. So knowing his authority in that moment enabled him to serve his disciples in this unconventional and distinctive way. And I wonder whether God would just want to remind us of that, that as the people of God, of the authority that we have in Jesus' name. There's another passage in scripture that I, I just wanted to highlight, which kind of unpacks what the, the role of the people of God in the world. And it's in um, Matthew 28. And it's, it's kind of known as the Great Commission, where Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples and teach. Um, But what he starts off by saying is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's telling them that he has all the authority and in that authority, they are to go out and do the things that he's telling them to do. Reminding them that his name is the name above every name. And what does that mean for us at the church? I think that it means that we can be released to play our distinctive role as the people of God with confidence, not in ourselves, but in the name of Jesus. That Jesus has, Jesus is the one who has the power to transform, to heal, to bring life to the situations around us. So that when, so that when we are out in the world doing whatever it is that we do, that we know that actually we can have the confidence to, to pray for people. The confidence that even actually when we get things wrong, he's the one that is able to redeem all things, that he's the one who's able to forgive us, to cover our shame and actually give us a a fresh chance and a new opportunity, even when we've messed things up. That we can remember that actually, even when situations seem hopeless around us, Jesus is the name above every name. And he's the one who has commissioned us to do his work in the world. So that's the authority. And then the second thing that we read is that Jesus knew where he, sorry, Jesus knew he had come from God and he knew that he was returning to God. So it wasn't just his authority he knew in that moment, it was his identity. Knowing his identity, his connection with the father released him to serve his disciples in that way. And I wonder if, again, if this is something that God would want to remind us of in this moment. That just as Jesus' connection and relationship with his father secured him and motivated him to love his disciples, God would want to remind us of our identity in Jesus today. And I'm sure that there could have been so many things that actually could have been recorded as as motivating Jesus in that moment. But it was his identity that we read here. And it can be so it could be so easy to listen to what I've been saying and sort of just think, yeah, let's go. Guns blazing. I'm just going to go take the world, you know, do all these things. Um, and, you know, that, that would be that would be great. But I think that God actually wants to remind us that the fuel, that the fire for, for what we go out and do in the world in in being his people, that has to come from his our connection with him, our relationship with him. Reminding us that actually wherever we've come from, whatever we've done, however we might be feeling right now, however we feel like the last 12 months has been, or how, you know, how, um, whether we feel like we kind of belong to this family or not, whether we feel like we're part of the family of God or not, it doesn't, all of that is kind of irrelevant because the strength of, the strength of our, um, our identity within the people of God, that is all based on what he has done for us, all based on his love for us, his acceptance of us, and the sureness of his love for us. And the, the thing I love about what it says in this passage, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of almost like Jesus being wrapped around, he knew that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God and that kind of propelled him forward. And I I just wonder whether God would almost want to wrap um, around us, his love around us, that that would kind of release us. And there's this really um, powerful passage in the message translation of Ephesians 2, which kind of says this better than I ever could. And it says this, that it's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how he got, how we got here in what he's building. And the reality, the the truth, the truth is that we actually have a new identity. When we, when we come to Jesus, we have a new identity because of what he has done for, for us. And we get to play our part in his team, to take our place in what he's building and be part of this glorious, well-training group of people because of what he has done for us. And I guess my prayer for myself and all of us as a church is is that knowing who we are in Jesus, knowing um, how much he loves us, knowing his acceptance of us and knowing actually the authority that we have in him, that that would release us into into the fullness of our purpose and that that would fuel us to live the way that he's calling us to live, both as as individuals for each and every one of us to know that, but also as a group of people that we'd be released into the purpose of pointing to Jesus in this world and living at really distinctly um, and, and sharing our story with those around us.